Hello and welcome to the one, the only, most throat-clearingest of Mass Effect podcasts here out on the Citadel. <laughs> Before this started... No, I, no, we're, we're keeping it. You don't have to explain. It's, it's going to be there. Oh, okay. We're yeah. just not even going to explain the fact that both of us are either sick or dealing with like major allergies or something. You know, I'm, I'm mainly just, I just mainly do it like to make sure that I have the clearest possible voice throughout this entire podcast so i do it because my throat is just lined with nasty mucus and stuff but sure i mean to each their own hey man that's the that's the human body that's how it works but we're not here to talk about fucking gross we're not here to talk about human bodies we're here to talk about celestial bodies in space okay you were taking that in a direction i did not think you were gonna do (laughs) you brought it back so i think we're good we are Norm DFM. As always, I'm your co-host Eric Vanallo, alongside my co-host Kenneth Shepard. Um, sometimes I launch into that intro faster than my mind is going to keep up with it because I'm just I'm so used to it that one of these days I'm going to say like, "Welcome to the GT reboot." Oh, <laughs> I like almost did it there. I was like, "This is Norm the GT." Okay, no, no, this is Norm DFM. Ah. <laughs> uh. One day we will reboot the GT reboot, and all will be well. But until then, we're here to talk about Mass Effect. Specifically, Mass Effect 2, and uh, some more recruiting. We're kind of done with uh, the little sidetrack that we need to do. We went to Horizon. We uh, we helped. We didn't really help anybody. We just kind of like found some stuff, and we're like, yep, this seems bad. Collectors are definitely doing bad stuff, and, and got chided by our old teammate a little bit. Uh Ken got the only representation that he's going to get <laughs> in this video game. <laughs> uh, I've been a table scraps at this point. Just I'll take what I can get. With, we take those. We take those. Now we're moving on to uh, my Shep's romance because we're going to Ilium. And uh, Ilium is kind of the Novaria of this game because it's the corporate mm-hmm. espionage planet and there's right. all kinds of stuff happening but this is where i would say that if a left turn had not been taken yet it it definitely takes one here with one very certain character who we make our reacquaintance with the second we get off the normandy pretty much uh liara is back and uh she's apparently yeah she's apparently a badass now she went from a shy introverted scientist to a super badass uh which is cool you know i so (laughs) this is largely my beat here because i'm the liara romancer of the podcast and i have always thought that liara the whole liara storyline is one of the better parts of mass effect as a whole Mm -hmm. that being said 
this specific part comes completely out of left field with absolutely zero explanation for what happens. And they just kind of breeze over a lot of things that even today I still go, wait, what? Because let, let's assume, okay? So, sorry, long lifespans. You know, we, we talked to Liara in the first game. She talks about how, she, you know, she's only 100 years old and uh, she spent decades studying uh, the, the Protheans and, and Prothean technology and Prothean culture, um, trying to find out more information about how they disappeared and all that. You get the kind of sense that when an Asari sets their mind to something, they spend a lot of time on it because they have the luxury of long right. lifespans. And so also that means that they generally find their niche early on and and kind of go with it. Uh, in, in the span of two years, Liara went from being an academic who studied on, you know, remote planets looking at Prothean ruins to being a deeply embedded highly networked and prominent uh, information broker dealing with shady dealings every day in an extremely nice part of town and they just kind of gloss they don't even really give you an explanation because so the other part of this is that Liara is like super chill about Shepard showing back up again um, yeah. We can talk about the romance bits in a second. There, trust me, there's not much to talk about. <laughs> but uh, it, it seems like they just launch into this and are just kind of like, well, yep, this is who Liara is now. And it seems especially jarring in retrospect, maybe even more so than it did when I played the games originally. And so I, I want to hear kind of your takes on this. Well, I'm double checking something real fast because... I do know that when the game first came out and I had it like, like I got like, the special edition because I'm a fucking nerd it came with the first edition of a, a comic called Mass Effect Redemption which focuses on what Liara was doing in the time of Shepard's death and yeah okay only one of those issues was out by then um, because so, so long story short what happens to Liara to get her from point A to point B is mostly recapped in that comic and I think if you if you read that comic and like you kind of get the gist of like what's happened to her, you, like the jump does not seem as jarring, but I mean they bury the explanation as to why this woman has changed so drastically. It's there, but you have to go through like two quest lines of her being fucking weird and chill as hell, like you said about the fact that we're alive. When it's 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 really it's it's why I think it's the weakest of all of these. At first, scenes you get get with like uh, the old crew because the you've got this person who's changed so much. Like there, she's basically an unrecognizable character at this point. Like if you were to like okay, black out the screen where you couldn't see who it was and just like heard the way that she was talking to people, it'd be fucking weird. Like you would not know that that's Liara. Or just like look at the script of just like a transcription of mm-hmm. the things that she says. There was no way to like identify this person as the person that you knew in the first game, um, and I mean, and the explanation is there at the end of her quest line, but it's even... kind of there. I mean, I I ended up finished. So the quests you do, and you, you do know these are these these cool um, quests that you do. They're kind of logic puzzles and stuff where you're helping her track down a secret informant and all that. 
um, those definitely help. I feel, I feel like they're there to help you adjust to the new right. era right. to to get used to like this is who this character is now. And once you've made that adjustment, it is cool. Like I, I don't think it's a bad shift for the character. But but like you mentioned, it's it's all kind of the transition happens in the comics, and then there's. There's note of it at the end of those quest lines, but even then, it's just kind of like, yeah, well, you know, things got tough out there, and I, I had to get tough with them and all that. And it, it, I was like, no, I, I want details because yeah. this doesn't like. This is like you come back, it's like, oh, hey, it's my, I'm at the grocery store, and my English teacher from high school is there, and like, oh, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm great. Uh, I'm a mercenary now for <laughs> hire, <laughs> and. Uh, I'm just here picking up some Cheez-Its before I go uh, carry out an assassination mission. And, and I'm like, the, what? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the interesting thing is, though, like, if you get, like, okay, for, so let's say for some fucked up reason you skipped Mass Effect 2 and went to Mass Effect 3, I feel like that version of the character feels like the much more natural evolution of her because she is, I mean, she, she's a badass now. She's got this network of contacts and, like, she's very well informed, but she doesn't seem so cold. Also, um, and, and this is where we must make a disclosure that it was Ken's fault this time that I cheated and played ahead on Mass Effect 3 to get him screenshots of Mass Effect 3 for an article he wrote. But uh, I played through all the way to the part where it's like uh, you're departing and it's like, oh, we're going to go pick up Dr. Liara Tassoni on Mars because she's been studying something there. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Liara. Like, yeah. cool. That's Yeah, that's what she does. And, um, you know, I will say that, like, we have already, Ken and I have already played through all of Mass Effect 2, so we do have the benefit, I have the benefit specifically of knowing how Lara the Shadow Broker plays mm. out now. And with that note, Li- Liara is honestly one of the most interesting characters in this game. But without it, yeah. not so much. <laughs> it's kind of like a recurring thing in Mass Effect because, I mean... I guess it's a spoiler to say that Arya Talok from Omega in Mass Effect 2 carries a very similar role in Mass Effect 3 where, like, she's got this sort of, like, minimal involvement in anything that's actually going on until you play the DLC, the Omega DLC in Mass Effect 3, where it's, like, I feel like her, both, in both of these cases, the character's entire arc is very contingent on those things rather than sort of, like, really involved with anything that's actually going on. Because... Mm-hmm. And, like, even in Mass Effect Andromeda, there were hints at a character who was going to be involved in DLC that just ultimately didn't happen. And so it seems like that's sort of a Mass Effect thing for them to do. Like, they sideline this character for them to have this very uh, central set of missions for them later. But, like, just in an isolated sense, it's really weird. And it's especially jarring for Liara because she is... Yes, yeah. Yeah. She's Liara. I mean, I would say she's one of the most prominent characters in Mass Effect. She, Mm -hmm. like... Right up there with Garrus and Tally, like, and, and she's the only character in the trilogy that makes any sort of appearance in Andromeda. Like they, like, several years later, they were still like leaning on her to be this constant. Yeah, it's it, it's wild. Yeah, she played, and yeah, she, even if you don't romance her, she plays such an important role in three as well. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's yeah. So, um, and and so I will say that uh, for the romance stuff. Uh, it's about as cursory as any other romance stuff in this game is. Uh, 
you do it does not leave on a note like we talked last episode about how uh if you had romanced the the human squad mate it kind of leaves on a note where it's like oh you've had a fight you might be taking a break so it kind of clears you to go hang around with all the new crewmates it doesn't do that with liara it's very much like oh i've missed you and it's been such a long time no i'm not seeing anybody you're not seeing anybody like you definitely go through notes like that but also she makes it very clear that she's like i'm not i'm just not able to talk about that right now and again this stuff the writing for that gets incredibly good in lair of the shadow broker right uh it's really well written even by like by any bioware standard modern past present future god bless anthem (laughs) this um it's really really well written and i i was kicking myself for having not played layer the shadow broker sooner because i i was just really surprised that they were doing stuff like that Mm. back then because even by today's standards it's it's just well written it's well timed it's well voiced it's it's just very well directed uh but here it's just kind of yep you know well i guess i again it's almost in a way where it's like well i would feel conflicted about having a romance but i wouldn't necessarily feel like i was like actually doing something wrong and it kind of just opens up some moral grays for you in that area that i was just kind of like oh yeah romance once again not a thing that me2 does great unless you didn't romance anybody in the first game and then all's fair but (laughs) it's who did that um what kind of person would do that (laughs) kenneth (laughs) but we're not just here to see liara we are here to recruit two more people to the cause and they are two characters who i did not uh I will say straight up, the first time I played through the series, I did not have the same attachment to these characters that I feel like right. everyone else did, especially okay. one of these characters. Okay. Um, and that has completely 180 in mm. this playthrough now, where I've spent a lot more time talking to them, uh, a lot more time. And that that might have been it, is that I was so like, oh, you know, I just want Garrison Tally. Like, they're right. they're my go-tos, they're my hangouts, they're... they're people i pal around with that i'd throw in miranda and morden every once in a while but thane and samara who we are recruiting today um i never really used i never really brought along because i just kind of saw them as like oh well you know samara is the the character is my biotic character and thane possibly the most useless character in the suicide mission so Uh, well i have an argument on that we will we will get to that because also other characters exist but they definitely frame certain things that you have to do in that mission where it's like there is one extremely obvious choice and then other ones that exist if you are somehow dumb and don't take that obvious choice uh anyways that's that's something when we talk about the suicide mission we're legit going to spend like 20 minutes at least just talking about the way that they designed this game to always give you the the squad mates that you would theoretically need to complete the suicide mission because i actually think that's kind of interesting but uh first one we're gonna get is thane who is a drell i believe that's that's Mm -hmm. what they're i always (laughs) this is a really dumb online thing of me to say but every time i i say that i'm like wait no he's not drill that's not that's not how that works good lord (laughs) 
<laughs> Drill tweets out here. <laughs> Thane is not mad. Um, Thane is a super hardcore assassin, and you spend most of this uh, this mission hearing about him before you get to mm-hmm. actually see him. And and I like the the notes here that you have about the hub worlds being able to swap out the the characters and, and talk to people and kind of get an idea of stuff. I feel like Ilium maybe does the best job of that next to um, Omega, where you get to like actually okay, I'm going to figure out what kind of people I'm going to fighting. You know, you mentioned here that uh, they're Eclipse Mercs and they're going to have a sorry Commandos, so you're going to want people who have anti barrier stuff. I feel like the game does a good job of that and setting that up mm-hmm. uh and we also yeah we spend most of this just hearing about how awesome thane is which mm. you think would have gotten tiring by now but it it's kind of cool chasing him up the skyscraper and stumbling into the workers and <laughs> thane is an ally who murders people <laughs> in the name of anti-capitalism <laughs> um yeah, no, I love I love Thane. I just want to like hear your thoughts on this whole part where you're kind of fighting up the skyscraper and hearing about all his his deeds and the awesome things he does. That is just like through a lot of the okay, so like you're going up the skyscraper, going after Nasana Dantius, I believe is the last name Nasana Dantius, who we met in the first game, who was like sorry that basically tricked you into killing your sister. So like you've already got reason to suspect this woman is probably not good news, but then like you learn that Thane is going after her for, like, no contract. He's doing it, like, out of what he feels is the moral center of his heart. Like, fine. Um, and as the, as the mission goes on, we kind of learn just, like, that she does not treat her workers well, and we kind of get the sense that this assassin is not in it for the money. He's in it for just, like, the... the uh, he has a very particular set of skills that, like, he can use to better the world or whatever. And a lot of things interesting to me about this mission is that you kind of come across the aftermath of the majority of what Thane is doing. Because, like, you'll open up the door for the workers and there's this guard there just laying there dead. And Garrus, if you have him with you, he's like, he notices, like, it's a perfect headshot with no collateral damage. Like, Thane is clearly very skilled at what he's doing. And, um, whether that really translates into a suicide mission is, you know, that's a question, that's a question for another day. But I think the mission does a really good job of at least impressing you by what he can do, what what he's clearly capable of doing. Yeah, and he's a bit different from the other characters I feel that you've seen so far, and that he's a, he's an assassin. He's about stealth. He's about unless you have Kasumi already, but she's like more of a jewel thief, more of a burglar type of character. Whereas like Thane being assassin is really cool in its own right that he's just kind of this shadow that's always moving ahead of you and taking people out and stuff you're hearing all the comms chatter that are coming in as they're trying to like oh what's going on it's there there are a lot of batman vibes i get Mm -hmm. from thane that i think are not undeserved uh but most of this mission is really just fighting up this the the skyscraper getting to nasana dantius and then we get the introduction of thane uh it's oh it's it's cool it's he he does the whole slink in thing and it this is this is a weird reference to make do you remember i believe it's the second uh x-men movie when nightcrawler <clears throat> is in the white house that would that's the immediate that's thing a, yeah, i thought that's of. Really good. Yeah. um 
yeah it's it's that same thing where you're like oh, okay this guy means business he he's he he knows what he's doing um so, so you bring it up here again so i think we do have to actually talk about it um thane maybe does not have much use to the actual mission that shepherd and cerberus are trying to do which is the suicide mission um but he is effective as a squad mate yeah and so i feel like there are a couple characters that kind of serve this role and as we get i think as we get closer to the suicide mission it is worth having this discussion pop up here and there which is um you have certain characters uh for example tally or, or even let's say miranda who are who can serve certain roles and that's basically like oh, okay they are the quote-unquote leader they are a squad leader so you know that if you need to say split your group in half and operate as two units that is someone that you can put in charge and they'll be capable uh the same goes for somebody who has engineering or hacking skills uh biotic skills uh there's even combat skills but thane isn't necessarily designated as being strong in any one of those if you get into the the nuts and bolts and really look at what is required to beat the suicide mission thane does not excel in any one Mm -hmm. category he's not the de facto choice in fact there the way it works is that there's often qualifiers on things so if you pick somebody who's really good at the job you don't have to worry too much but if you pick somebody who's only okay at the job you might lose one person or you might have to have a lot more requirements met to not lose somebody in that section. And I, I believe Thane is one of those people because I believe the thing that he's supposed to be able to do is go into the vents and, uh, and disable I security don't protocols. Think that's right. Is that, is that not even right? What does he I, do then? Well, that's the thing is like, <laughs> I don't think that, okay, like not even, I don't think I know this because like, if you go into like the actual like way that the thing I mentioned is coded, Thane has no roles whatsoever. No rules. What's and so he's he and Morden are the two characters that it's true of. Um, so he's just kind of there as a warm body that can be a squad mate. Well, that's that's the argument I make here in my notes. Is I think that if you want to give Thane a role in all of that, he is most effective as a squad mate because he has very um, anti collector abilities and um. And that, that's just, like, and that's I always have Thane as a squad mate, so like that's always where I've used him. And I think that from that perspective, he's very effective. Like it's sort of like that's that's not necessarily represented in like the way the mission is coded, but it is like just an observation that I have made over the years. Is that if Thane can't do all of those things, he is at least very very effective at this. True, he does he does have abilities that are extremely good against the collectors, um, and and are extremely effective. So. It's it's interesting as we get closer because you do start to kind of think about those things. Because, I mean, there are characters who are literally like... <laughs> I believe you would have seen this if you watched my stream of the suicide run. But I was basically like, cool, Jacob, you just go walk everybody back to the ship now. Cool, bye. Uh, don't, you know, if everybody gets in trouble, sacrifice yourself. <laughs> you get them, buddy. Um, but I, I guess that is smart to to have those sorts of characters they're like oh they're not gonna like sell it any one thing but you are at some point going to need to have squad mates who are going to back you up when you're fighting the collectors so here's a character that they don't fit anywhere else so the leading theory would then be that this is a character you're supposed to take into the final battle now whether right. you actually do that or not is another question entirely uh 
because I personally feel that he overlaps his role also overlaps with Garrus a lot and I like to bring Garrus along so uh sorry Thane but (laughs) but I did find myself especially after you get back to the ship and start talking to Thane a little bit uh, I don't know if this is just purely because of romance because I felt like I did not pursue a romance with Thane but um again sometimes you get extra dialogue when you have a romance option but even then I felt like I Thane was one of the characters that I was like, why did I never spend as much time as I could with this character? You know, I did, I did enough to get the loyalty mission, but you kind of just get his loyalty mission, whether you seek it out or not, you know, he, he will just kind of come to you eventually and be like, Hey, I, I I need help with this. But I spent a lot of time talking to him and he's incredibly interesting. And so now I totally get why Thane is much beloved and why Guillermo (laughs) del Toro made a movie about him because, um, he's he's really awesome. That is surprising, because, like, I mean, Thane's, like, a, on the fucking cover of the game. Like, he's a prominent character. Just, like, it's surprising to me that, I guess that you wouldn't at least talk to him out of, like, curiosity as to why they put such a spotlight on him. I think by this point in the game, I was probably just going, I want Tally back in my squad. And, and that's, that's fair. Because I'm pretty sure when I first did this... um I got Tally first, and then Samara. I think Thane was the last person I recruited before. Mm. Well, the sec- second to last person, but... Um... We also have Samara to go get. Another character who I did not pay much attention to uh, my first time around, and this time around... Samara's freaking badass, man. Samara might be my favorite character in Mass Effect 2 now. Um, my, my view of her has 180'd so, so hard. Um, mostly because of her loyalty mission, but mm. uh, which, boy, when we get to that, boy, we're gonna work through work through some uh, feelings <laughs> on that. There, Ken, that's gonna be a, um, it's gonna be a tissues episode. But uh, yeah, so Samara is an Asari Justicar who is. We kind of get to see more of the cultural details of different alien races mm. in this. Uh, in this iteration and, and not just in the like lore dump way that you kind of got in Mass Effect 1 but you get to actually see okay this is what it's like with all these different alien races with their own traditions and cultures interacting because right. the Asari have these uh, this this warrior clan that is essentially specters yeah uh, the, it was kind of weird because like just I mean I got it in my notes like the way that they're sort of like respected but feared feels like almost like above specters in a way. Like they're revered in a way that seems almost like a like a religious figure. Almost. Yes, there there is like a deeply religious way, but also like so tied into the government and like the actual enforcement of the law. That the first thing I thought of was it reminds me of the Inquisition, not just like the Dragon Age Inquisition, but the Inquisition Inquisition, right. like the the way that this uh they they have a code or even um warrior monks and you know the the idea of uh warriors that train intensely uh separate themselves from society and only come in to uphold uh a moral code that's not anything new i mean you could draw very loose threads here to things like samurai and stuff like that as well uh but Samara and the Justicars are this like deeply Asari tradition and it's really cool that you have um 
oh, I wish I had uh, the note here, the the name of the detective that you work with on Ilium. Oh, shit. Yeah. Boy, I feel bad now. We the just, detective that you, that you work with. What is that? We just, we just forget everybody that... Anaya. Anaya, yeah. She's great because she is an Asari who kind of lives on Ilium, which is a predominantly Asari world but has many races on it. Uh, but she is maybe a little bit more worldly and so she's kind of this lens for you to be like okay what is going on like why why is a justicar such a big deal and stuff like that and she she gets to kind of play the the cultural interpreter for you and mm-hmm. and i really like all that stuff it's it's really interesting because i get to be like okay so there are like there are times when you know this is not necessarily a legal thing technically a justicar is a vigilante who would be an issue wherever they show up but everyone kind of gets out of their way because their code compels them to just straight up murder people mm-hmm. and that's not a problem on the asari homeworld because they've always lived that way but they can't do that on other homeworlds or you know they'll run into issues with the law so it's it's really cool i like seeing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i i feel like seeing it firsthand instead of where like in mass effect one this would have just kind of been told to you before right. you meet uh samara instead of finding it out as you go along uh it's really cool and also this whole mission is just really interesting because you're kind of playing detective the whole time and you're kind of trying to follow the trail and stuff we're just like quickly jumping back to what you were saying about like sort of like seeing this culture through the eyes of an asari she was like even willing to go like like knowing that samara would kill her to like get away she was still going to detain her because she thought it was like her duty to do so like basically like her duty to die for the like and for, for what end i'm not really sure but it was just like that's why it was, it's so crazy to me that just like they seem to be even about specters just in the way that they're revered like almost like it was like an honor to be killed by a justicar or something it's crazy <laughs> a little bit and like that's why it's interesting to me it's, it's this level that we had not seen yet um <laughs> I like that you you point out that Samara went out in the impractical battle outfit competition against Jack and Ray. I think Jack still wins because I don't think we ever get an explanation for why Jack wears literally nothing except for the fact that she just likes her tattoos and is a punk. And, and you Miranda, know, I mean that's fair, but Miranda's it's not wearing like the, Miranda's got like the zero suit Samus going on, but it at least attempts to look like people clothes, whereas. <laughs> I don't know why Samara has a neckline that plunges to her navel. <laughs> I saw you don't have zippers or like stitching. Like, like I don't know. I just you look at something like that and you gotta think like, can you imagine wearing that all day? Like you gotta put that on in the morning. You gotta walk around in that all day. It probably makes like weird elasticy noises and stuff. Like, she gets a nice breeze every now and then. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> we get into oh. the important stuff here um so we end up having to chase down some eclipse mercs because the uh the detective anaya basically says uh samara i have to jail you because you've literally committed crimes and she says cool but i'll only allow my code only allows me to obey the law for 24 hours and then i'm just <laughs> gonna bust out of here and murder everybody so to get Samara out and try and win her over to our side, we got to go solve, crack the case ourselves. And um, we run into Elnora. Oh, Elnora. 
always so, leading yeah. up to hijinks. Oh man. Okay, so how did you handle this? Because uh, since you're playing Paragon, I, I assume that we might have handled. I it let her go, mm. even though I knew how it was going to turn out. So like the thing that, okay, across, okay, she's she's quote unquote surrendering. Well, okay, but also we find out at this point through a volus that the Eclipse Mercs here, the only way they can get in is by committing a murder. So. Yeah, she's pleading for her life with me, but that didn't matter to her when she killed somebody to get that uniform. Oh, I never, I don't think I ever had that conversation, so I, I might have missed that. I know that you later find out that she was the one who was doing all the murder, but yeah. was not going to indict her without cause. <laughs> I gotta be, <laughs> I gotta be Paragon, man. I go full Paragon. <sighs> uh, we also run into another. More famous character, the biotic god, <laughs> the Volus, who suddenly just has a ton of biotic powers thanks to the magic of drugs. A great um, biotic wind. It's so you let him go so fight. <laughs> yeah, like, cause like mainly because I know that I, I don't know how female shepherd handles it, but like if you play a male shepherd and like he's like about to go in and just go try and fuck up some eclipse merch, he goes charge. <laughs> <laughs> And Mark Mark Mears delivery of the line is just perfect, so I had to, I had to do it. Maybe maybe I should have done it. I I uh, told him to sit this one out, rest it off a little bit, buddy. We're about there's about to be some bolts flying, and and you don't want to be there when you, when you're coming back down and all that. It's just a bad situation. But don't you like um, gently push him, and then he falls over and is good. Yeah, he's not, yeah, yeah. He just passes. He just takes a nap. You know, he just just needs a little rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go into an office where there is awkwardly ample cover <laughs> and, and fight some eclipse marks. I, I too um, arrange my office just in case. Just in case I'm going to have a firefight in my office. I make sure there's plenty of waist-high cover to duck behind. Um, yeah, so we finish all this. Honestly, like, I feel we always breeze over the actual combat part of this just because by this point combat's fairly routine you know you figured out mm-hmm. what your build is you you're just trying to do that and that's not to say it's bad by any means but oh, by sure. this point it feels a little bit more mechanical and i mm-hmm. feel like other missions do a better job of forcing you to change the way you approach combat once like once we get to tally's mission we'll talk yeah, a lot about I, that i think i think compared to thanes at least i think samara's has like this kind of like i said a couple of episodes ago it was like they have gimmicks that sort of like change the way that combat plays out and here there's like this toxic gas that also increases biotic power and it mm. almost got me a couple times because like I suddenly found myself in this toxic gas and almost like it's like a toxicity level that like very very quickly rises but I was able to like charge out of it and my charge was like twice as strong which was nice but yeah it like it almost got me a couple times so, like I gotta at least give it that yeah, this this at least has the toxic containers, which are interesting, but the enemies are just kind of the same ones that we've been mm-hmm. fighting. It just doesn't... I'm not trying to down-talk it whatsoever. I, I like the combat in this game a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, and it, obviously, it's way better than Mass Effect 1. Uh, it was just by this point where I was kind of like, okay, I'm ready for some of the later missions where they start to change it up or give you different enemies or start to really incorporate ideas that... Uh, that changed the way you approach the game. Like, again, when we get to the tally recruit mission, uh, we'll spend a lot of time talking about that because that is the whole thing of that mission is changing the way you approach combat. 
Um, So we come back, and Samara's just meditating while in custody, like a boss. You point out something interesting in your show notes here. Um, that the the oath that Samara swears to you uh, is definitely binding. However, if you are Renegade, it's kind of preface. And even if you are Paragon, uh, she kind of points out that, like, hey, uh, if I don't like what you're doing, uh, you're going to be next on my list. And I like that. I'm into that because it's like up up to this point, there had been a few characters where you recruit them and it's kind of like, oh, you didn't really have to talk them into it that much. You know, Garrus is just kind of game for whatever. <laughs> He's just like, cool, I just want to go do more stuff with my pal Shepard. And, um, you know, some people you had to kind of convince, like Jack. Uh, obviously, Miranda and Jacob are on board immediately. But Samara was the one where... I, I enjoyed that it was a very tenuous relationship between the two because it was it was purely because their interests only slightly aligned at right. the time. And um and even then Samara's like dude or or lady, I d I don't know you, I don't trust you, and if this goes to shit, I'm gonna look out for myself because I've got things I gotta do too. So mm. I will hang around with you for as long as our interests like align and work together but not one second longer and uh i actually enjoyed that because everybody else seems just a little too eager to hop on board for an indeterminate amount of time (laughs) right yeah i mean it's like she makes that initial like claim at the beginning that if if you make me do something dishonorable i'm gonna fuck you up dude but -hmm. like if you're if you are renegade like by the end of this she does say straight up hopefully we don't meet again after this because then i'll have to kill you yeah. yeah, and it's... we obviously know from later in the games that you do run into Samara again, but um, I, I think Samara, the setup here is really cool. This The point where it really like took her over the top for me was in her loyalty mission, which we will get to down the line, uh, but that was about all the notes I had for, for Ilium today. Uh, it's it's a cool place. It's, I, I think, maybe not the most memorable in terms of the hub i definitely think like omega is Mm -hmm, for sure when i think of mass effect 2 i think of omega uh but ilium is definitely an interesting change and i also like when you get there you kind of talk you can talk to your different squad mates and stuff and i i want to say it's garris says something like it may look prettier here but it's just as dangerous as omega Right, right and I think it was really cool to kind of have that contrast because you spend so much of the time in the slums of Omega and you're like, oh yeah, you know, this place is, you, you kind of get the sense of like, oh, it's impoverished, so it's dangerous and it's bad. But then you go to this place where it's all this like corporate business and there's wealth everywhere and it's just as dangerous, if not more mm-hmm. so. And you kind of get to see the dirty side of, I mean, you already saw the dirty side of Novaria, but this was very much more like, you get to see the side of the Mass Effect universe that you didn't get to see a lot of in Mass Effect One. Yeah, and it, like even just like in the, there are like some small, like side quests. Like there's an indentured servant. Like yeah, then they oh, basically call her. God, they call we didn't her even slave. talk about that. Yeah, the whole the whole side quest where they're talking about how like yeah, indentured servitude is legal on Ilium because capitalism rules. And I, that's when I was like, 
cool, so I'ma burn this place to the ground. Um, <laughs> Zaid, yeah. my my pyromaniac friend, you want to help out? Uh, <laughs> Oh, that man. dude's already setting something up on fire. He just he doesn't miss an opportunity. Um Yeah. No, this I thought that was cool because part of me was like, oh, maybe they're really trying to make a point here that just because a place looks nicer on the outside, that doesn't mean it's necessarily nicer on the inside. And maybe it's possibly even worse and all this niceness is possible because of intense cruelties that people here have inflicted mm-hmm. upon others. Uh I mean look what it did to Liara. Yeah, look what it did to Liar. Our wholesome, sorry scientist is now flaying people alive with her mind. It's just mm. it's chaos out there. I'm just kidding, Liar. You do you, boo. Uh, <laughs> we'll get around going, soon. Yeah, we'll we'll get around to her soon. Don't worry. There's a there's plenty to come uh, in the Lair of the Shadow Broker episode, which will be coming up. If you like those sorts of episodes, you can always head over to Patreon.com/slash/NormDFM, where you can support us, help pay off some of our serving server uh hosting costs and also uh make me play video games i don't want to play uh y'all mm. if you if you want andromeda to happen you gotta work a little bit harder out there folks but <laughs> that's gonna do it for today uh it was a nice trip to ilium next week will be is it just recruiting tali next week is that all we so. have on because oh, then cool. after that we're gonna have to start we're gonna be in the end game then well yeah. no we'll be in loyalty missions first but It'll be a lighter episode next week, but we'll have plenty to talk about because uh, it's always a good time when Tally's around. That's what we like to say around here at Normandy FM. For Kenneth Shepard, I'm Eric Van Allen. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Normandy FM.